Yeah, that guy again. So pinch hitting Chris. I'm trying something new, and I've never done it before. I'm just going to tell you so you can laugh at me when I screw it up, which I'm already doing. Is I'm, I didn't print out my notes. I, they're on my iPad, which I've never done before, which doesn't seem like it'd be a big thing. But, you know, you get your little comforts. Um, and speaking is not my thing. I know when I, whenever I go to concerts, especially Christian concerts, the, uh, a lot of times the worship guy will start talking. And they're great at singing, and they're usually really bad at talking. <laughs> like, just sing the song, man. So when I get up here, I'm thinking, everybody's going, just sing, Chris. Just, just, just sing. So excuse me one moment. I like this guy. Well, I hope that's what happens. Let's, let's pray for that right now, my friend. What? That's right. Oh. I like this guy. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Lord, I ask that, um, that you would use me to, to say what you want to say, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so I wanted to do a little, a little quick game. I'm used to talking to kids, and we always have to do a game first or they will ignore you. Um, and ignoring looks like this nowadays. So I'm going to say a brand or a popular trademark, and you're going to answer, just, you'll just shout it out, one word uh, that represents that brand. Like, what's the business of that company, okay? Um, so, for instance, if I say Starbucks, coffee, yeah, that's an... That's right. That's right. So what if I say Chevy? Cars. I always say truck. I think truck, but... So Rolex. What if I say Rolex? Watch. Yep. Yeah, expensive. How about Nike? Shoes. Apple. Phone, computer, yeah. Tablet, fruit. Yeah, if you're over a certain age, you'll say fruit. If you're under a certain age... Uh, how about Kleenex? Yeah, tissues. It was a long time where I, for, I thought a Kleenex was a Kleenex. I didn't know a Kleenex was a tissue uh, growing up. How about Purell? Hand sanitizer. Man, wish I had invested in that company two years ago. What if I say church? Yeah. What if I say church? It get. It gets, it's a little harder, right? You're like, what's the right spiritual answer for this one? Jesus, yep, yep Jesus. That's what I always tell like, in youth group. I'm like, if you say Jesus or prayer, you're going to be right most of the time. So I try and make sure I ask harder questions because two or three of them, every time I ask a question, we'll just say, Jesus. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah they're, they're usually uh, pretty close. So this one's harder. What does the church stand for what what does it represent what 
What might the world that's looking at the church, that isn't involved with the church, what that might they say the church is? What? Love, okay. Well, judgment, okay. Judgment, what else might they say? Hypocrites. Yeah, there are a lot of humans there, so they're all hypocrites. This guy's ready to preach. You're breaking my rules here. I was one word. It's got to be one word. <laughs> one word. So I was trying to preach a short sermon today. It's going to be longer now. <laughs> That's right. Got a cheer, cheer section over here. I like it. That's right. So, you know, I found out just a few days ago that I was preaching. So, you know, you kind of got to whip something up pretty quick because, you know, life is busy. And, and so I'm thinking, okay, what, what can I talk about that has any merit or relevance to us? So I thought, what are, what are we supposed to do as a church? What is the main thing? You know, the old saying, the main thing is keeping the main thing the main thing. But when I say church and we all go, uh... Yeah, what you got? You're right. You're right. All right, brother. This guy's preaching my sermon right now. You're all right. I appreciate that. So when we go to work, you know what you're supposed to do at work. Right, you clock in or whatever you do. You kind of know what you're supposed to do, and there's someone there to let you know when you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, uh, generally. You know, if you're going to school, you know what you're supposed to do, right? And you know what you're not supposed to do. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty clear. As, as an adult, you kind of figure out the things that you have to do as an adult, which apparently is buy things and pay taxes. Um, you know, you kind of pay your bills, and that's, that's what being an adult is, um, if you're in the military, you know what you're supposed to do, and there's probably somebody right there in your face reminding you how poorly you're doing it. Um, you know, and I look in the scripture, and I, and I see people like, like Noah. God comes to Noah, you know, the clouds part, Noah. Yeah, God. Build an ark. Okay, God. You know, it's like you know exactly what Noah's, he knows exactly what he's supposed to do and uh, supposed to be doing. And, and even when others around him didn't understand, he's like, God told me to build this boat, so I'm building the boat. Man, just, I would just love to have that kind of clarity, right? And you think, think of uh, Moses. Moses is out doing his thing, taking care of the flocks one day, and he sees a burning bush, and he goes to the burning bush, and, and it's God in the bush. And, and he says, uh, Moses, go to Egypt, tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And he kind of hems and haws about it, but he knows exactly what God wants him to do. 
and I'm saying, God, could you, I would love to have some clarity about what I'm supposed to do as a Christian and what we are supposed to do as a church. And then I opened the Bible, and sure enough, <laughs> the answer is there. So we're going to throw this scripture up right here. This is in Matthew 28, and those of you that have grown up in the church are like, oh, I know this, da, 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 da. So where, where is she back there? There it is. And this is starting in verse 16. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And just back up there to verse 19 in case you blew by it. Go, therefore, this is Jesus talking. This is the last thing he says as a corporal being on the planet. It says, go, therefore, and make disciples. So next time you're crying out to God, and I did this a lot, especially in, in high school and, and college, going, what's the will for my life, God? What is it that you want me to do? What's the will for you? It, it's make disciples. If you're a believer, make disciples. God, what, what should my career be? What should I do to earn a living? God says, you can do whatever you want. Just make disciples while you're doing it. Well, well, maybe you're a young person and you're saying, oh, well, should I date this person or is this the person the right one for me? Is this the one? And God's probably saying, probably not, but make disciples. Just in case. What is it that we're supposed to do as a church? What is it that we're supposed to do as a Christian? We're supposed to make disciples. You're like, all right, Chris, you're using a, a churchy word when you say that. Uh, what's, what's a disciple? You know, that's right. You know, and I, I couldn't really, well, is there another context in our culture where we even use the word disciple except for a religious connotation? Yeah, yeah. So I was trying to come up with a definition. I, I read a bunch of definitions, some commentaries, and I was trying to boil it down because I, I like to boil things down to render things to uh, something that I can actually remember because if it's more than 10 words, I'm, I'm just not going to remember it. And so I came up with this definition. What is a disciple? A disciple is someone called by Jesus to live like Jesus. Someone called by Jesus to live like Jesus. And now, I know everything I'm saying is really basic. I think we all need a reminder of the basics once in a while. So I, I, want, you to, I want you to know that, that as I'm saying this stuff, I'm not condescending because in my own heart, I believe that I have forgotten what it is that I'm supposed to do. Uh, that's right. He, he better be. 
That's true. That might be a whole other issue there. That's right. Someone called by Jesus to live like Jesus. Now, Jesus was a rabbi. Okay, and a rabbi was a specific uh, kind of person in Jewish culture. They were a teacher. Uh, they tended to have some fame and some notoriety, and they would travel around uh, teaching. And one of the things they would do is they would find the creme de la creme uh, of, of the men who have gone all the way through, through their schooling and, and the smartest, sharpest guys, uh, they would uh, ask to, to follow them. They would, uh, they would, you know, okay, you've made it. You're in. You get to now follow me, and I will be your, your rabbi, and you will be my disciple, okay? So this is not something strange in this culture. What, what might have been strange is that Jesus didn't go to, like, the top of the class people. In fact, the, the people that he called had probably not been in school for a while. They had already gone back uh, to their trades to, to continue uh, on with the family business. Um, but Jesus called people that you and I would say, I would say are like us, okay? They're, they're, they're like us. And you see this in Mark uh, chapter 1, where Jesus goes up to uh, Simon and Andrew and, and James and John. They're out fishing. And he says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Because here's the thing. If you are a disciple, you are making disciples. If you are a disciple, you are a disciple maker. It goes hand in hand. Because if you're going to be like Jesus, Jesus is making disciples. To be like him, then we have to be disciple makers. And what's a disciple? Someone who is called by Jesus to live like Jesus. And you might be saying, well, I wasn't called by Jesus. I, I accepted Jesus into my heart. Well, how, how, do you even, how are you even aware of him? What broke your heart to recognize your sin and your need for Jesus? That was Jesus calling you no one comes to the father but through him so if you are a believer this morning you have been called by jesus to live like jesus to live like jesus is to be a disciple to be a disciple is to be a disciple maker so i'm like okay well how do i do that what what class do i attend to learn how to be a, a disciple maker. Well, Scripture kind of gives us uh, a model. I'm going to call it the Jesus model for making disciples. That sounds really official, okay? So step number one, I call Jesus take the wheel, okay? Step number one of, of discipleship making is, is Jesus take the wheel. And what that is, so Jesus calls his disciples, and then he does ministry while the disciples watch, okay? He does ministry while the disciples watch. So you see this in the Sermon on the Mount, okay? And Jesus is laying out, this is kingdom living. He says, I am here, therefore the kingdom is here. 
This is how we are going to live in the kingdom of heaven. And he lays that out in the Sermon on the Mount. Then you see him in Mark 1. He goes to the synagogue, which is kind of like the Jewish church, uh, to to simplify things. And he is healing. He's he's healing the lame. He's cleansing the leper. He's giving uh, hearing back to the deaf. Jesus is doing ministry while the disciples watch. Jesus, take the wheel, okay? The, the next step, the next stage, is really there's four stages in the uh, Jesus model for making disciples. And the second one is Jesus lets you shift the gears, okay? Now, one of the things, I used to have a stick shift, and Lydia was the one who did it the most because she's the oldest. She'd be sitting in the passenger side, and I'd let her shift the gears while I was driving. I'm operating the clutch, the gas, the brake, the steering. I'm doing everything but shifting the gears. And, you know, she was pretty good. She rarely grinded it. You know, but grind it till you find it. Sometimes that works. And you see this with Jesus. So Jesus allows the disciples to assist him while he's doing ministry. And the most notable time you see this is, remember the feeding of the 5,000 where, where Jesus miraculously uh, takes uh, loaves and fish and makes it into enough to feed uh, this multitude. He allows the disciples to distribute that food and to collect that food. So Jesus is doing ministry with an assist. I call that Jesus lets us shift the gears, okay? So then step three of Jesus' model for making disciples is... The disciples are in the driver's seat, but Jesus is in the passenger seat with that extra brake. Okay, now there's a little picture I have to, to throw up there just to, to illustrate this. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is the driver's ed scenario, right? That's the, the, the teacher, and um, you know he's got that extra brake, that panic brake uh, down there, and he's, I'm assuming he's pointing, hey, look out, you almost hit a human. Um, so he's grabbing the wheel to, to, to jerk it away. He's allowing, this is the stage where, where Jesus allows the disciples in the driver's seat, but Jesus uh, gives the assist. And you see this in, in Mark 9. It's, it's a really neat chapter. Uh, go and check it out. But Jesus releases the disciples uh, to go and do ministry. It says that he sends them out with instructions to go into the world and cast out demons and preach the gospel. And, and they came back saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. But there's that one time where there's a story, and I just jumped and gave you the wrong scripture. But in Mark 9, it's because I'm using my iPad and I don't have a piece of paper here. That's why. Um, but Jesus, they, they go out and they're trying to cast out this evil spirit and they can't do it. And Jesus comes along and, and deals with the situation and casts out the demon and says that this kind only comes out uh, through much prayer uh, and fasting. So Jesus allowed them to do ministry, but he was there uh, to help them. A lot like that, that, that driver's. Uh, and I remember I had a car that I drove in, and they had a whole second steering wheel, uh, too. And, um, yeah, they, I, I don't know how driver's ed teachers do it, to be honest with you. We all, when, you when, when, when you see a driver's ed teacher, you, you thank them uh, for, yeah, 
teaching your kid so you don't have to. Right, Lyd? Lyd's, Lyd's getting her permit. Becca, you just got your license, didn't you? Yeah. Good job. Freedom, right? No? Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good idea. So then, so the first step was Jesus, take the wheel. Then Jesus lets you shift the gears. Then you're in the driver's seat, but, but Jesus is in the passenger seat with the, with the brake assist. And then uh, the last one, and this is ex-chauffeur Jesus, and this is where you guys are now. You no longer have to chauffeur Becca everywhere because now she can drive. Yeah. You were ex, this is ex-chauffeur Jesus, so I want to read that passage again since I, I read it out of context here in my notes. But Jesus sends them out, right, and he instructs them, do all the things that I've been doing that you've been watching me do, and they come back and they're amazed because in the name of Jesus, they are able to do the things that Jesus could do. That's right. So in this this book, it's called Sitting at the Feet of Rabbi Jesus. Spangler and Terberg, they write this. They say, in, it involves a literal kind of following in which disciples often travel with, lived with, and imitated the rabbis, learning not only from what they said, but from what they did, from their reactions to everyday life as well as the manner in which they lived. The task of the disciples was to become as much like the rabbi as possible. And so I, I ask you, are you becoming like the rabbi? Are you sitting at his feet through the word and through prayer? As you grow older, are you growing more in the wisdom and knowledge and understanding of Jesus? Are you acting more like him? Or are you getting grouchier? Or are you listing? There's no such thing as a plateau in the Christian life. You're either growing toward Christ or or growing away. And when I ask myself that, to be honest with you, I, d- I don't know. I feel like my weeks are like this. I'm growing closer today. And, oh, man, today I'm a mess. Or this hour I feel like I'm growing close, and the next hour I'm, I'm a mess. That's right. That's true. So, so if we are disciples, we should be making disciples. And what that means, I think in my own words, it would be to bring others alongside me or bring others alongside us as we do ministry, empower them to do ministry, then get out of the way. Right? So to make disciples... We do ministry, we bring others alongside of us, and we empower them to do ministry, and then we get out of their way. Bringing others alongside us as we disciple, empowering them to disciple, and then we get out of the way so that they can disciple others. 
Or to say it this way, as you imitate Jesus, bring others alongside you, empower them to live like Jesus, and then get out of the way so that they can experience the fullness of what Jesus has for them. So a moment of of inventory now. We looked and we see that Jesus was very explicit about what we as the church are supposed to be doing as the church. He says, go and make disciples. How am I doing in making disciples? Am I propagating the way of Jesus? To be honest with you, I think I've gotten really good at doing good for no good reason. And I think a lot of times in church we do a lot of good, and we're good at doing a lot of good for no good reason. Or the reason is to make me feel better. Or the reason is I need my good to outweigh my bad. And those good things that we do are good. I'm not saying we shouldn't do those things. Like there's nothing that we're doing at church that I feel like we shouldn't be doing. But if we're doing all these things and we're not obeying the prime directive, for those of you that like Star Trek, you know, the one thing, if we're not doing that one thing, doesn't everything else kind of Second tier? That's right. You don't get credit for it. So I feel like I've gotten good at at doing church, at doing this church thing. I love church. I love coming to church. I love singing. Um, I love hanging out with the youth group. I love that stuff. But I don't know how good I am at how effective I'm being at making disciples. And to be honest with you, maybe sometimes I'm avoiding it a little bit. So how are you at making disciples? What do we have to show for the prime directive from Jesus as First Baptist Church of of Holly? Or are we a church that's just good at being churchy and doing churchy things? So my brother, my brother, um, so I'm the nice one, my younger brother, between my brother and I, I'm the nice one. Um, and he, he has, he's a, he's a traditional Knuth, which is, I'm just going to tell you what I think and I'm, you can do with it what you want. Um, and you're like, well, that's just like you, Chris. Yeah, but he's worse. Um, but he he says that he told me this. We were having a conversation the other day. He goes, he goes, Chris, you know that most churches are just hospice for Christians. He says that you know most churches are just hospice for Christians. Some of you maybe are looking at me going, I don't know what hospice is. Hospice is end of life care. Hospice is end-of-life care, and that's, I'm just going to say it that way because I don't want to be disrespectful uh, to those 
um, that are in hospice. A, a good friend of mine, he's a hospice chaplain, and that's what he does. He's at the at bedside of, of people who are need end-of-life care every day. I don't know how he does it. But some people, and my brother included, might say that most churches are just a place for us to hang out until... Until we move on. And I don't want to be at a church like that. I want to be at a church that makes disciples. I want to be a person who propagates the formula of making disciple makers, which is what Jesus did. I mean, think about it. When Jesus died, how many disciples were left? 11, because one of them went bad. (laughs) He had 11. But guess what? You and I are sitting here today, and we know the person of Jesus. Because disciples made disciples, made disciples, made disciples, made disciples. So what's next? I don't know. I... uh, I thought today I would just maybe point out the problem. And as a church, we can figure out what's next and how we become a church um, that disciples and it grows. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always uh, to the end of the age. So I just want to close with, with a song. And I uh, am told that this is one that this church has sung for years. And I'm going to switch mics now. And I'm sure many of you know it. It's Spirit of the Living God. Fall fresh on me. This is our prayer as we leave the day. Spirit of the Living God, fall. Man.